gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fighting in the War Room. Sunday, Monday edition, depending on <laughs> when you get this. Um, yeah, we did not do a review on Friday because I was the only person at that point to have seen the Fantastic Four. And now, Dave, you've seen Fantastic Four. Yeah, there's a fantastic two of us that have seen Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. Um, and there have been so many bad punny headlines about Fantastic Four uh, that I, I hope we can avoid calling it Unfantastic Four during this. Or maybe Super Fantastic Four, if you really, really liked it. Um, we should talk about this movie, because we have seen it. And not, sure. many, not much of America has, uh, based on the box office receipts. I know, this is this like weekend. the most niche movie I've seen to review for this podcast this year. I mean, so I'm it, kind of excited. It's everyone, like an independent film. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the breakout hit of the art scene uh or the the worst flop of the summer, I imagine. I mean, I think it's done worse than Tomorrowland or any of uh movies like that. It's done worse than John Carter. Someone remind people of that. John Carter, <laughs> kind of a hit, kind of a hit. Critical praise. With Tim, Some money. Tim Riggins, maybe the truest detective. No spoilers. And I imagine this movie cost a bazillion dollars, um, which you don't really get to see on screen because um, who knows? We, I mean, there have been many, many stories, and I think I'll try to avoid them here. I don't know if you can, Dave, because you are in deep on, on the superhero beat. Um, but we know there are many stories of director Josh Trank and mm. writers Simon Kinberg and Jeremy Slater and other people who've worked on this movie, Fox, um, known for their interference in their superhero movies. And this has had a very miserable tale leading up to the release about, you know, reshooting, cutting it up um, and, you know, judging just from the movie alone. It does feel totally jumbled, schizophrenic, like yeah, this is I not mean, think- a movie. It's barely a movie. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to avoid talking about it because this movie I'm going is to personally avoid in the most in the it's at the if it's anything it is evidence that this sort of process happens more than it is a movie about anything at the end of it. Yeah. Um which is just like look uh, or I think I said to somebody like not since Clash of the Titans horribly upconverted 3D have I seen a movie <laughs> this unfinished actually released by a major studio that is a very good point oh my eyes still burn from that screening why don't you set up Fantastic Four for, uh, Fa- for Fanta- us Fantastic Four is the story of young Reed Richards who at an early age decides he has the mental capability to develop a teleporting machine and so with the help of his junkyard-owning friend, Ben Grimm, uh, he uh, sort of perfects this technology for his high school science fair, where he's discovered by Dr. Storm of the Baxter Institute, uh, who is looking for a way to bring back uh, teleported material. Because it turns out it's not going across the world, it's going to another dimension. So Reed uh, goes to the Baxter Institute, where he meets uh, Dr. Storm's children, Sue and Johnny. Sue uh, is a sort of genius that recognizes patterns. She's a genius at pattern recognition, and she loves listening to music while she does work. Johnny <laughs> likes to race cars, and uh, uh, 
basically just wants to do that, but because he used his dad's money to build his current hot rod car that he you know wipes out in the first sequence we see him in, he is conned into working on this project. And then because also building a, a transporter machine is a lot like building a car. Well, he could build anything, Patches. This is super, my son. He could build powers. anything. Put him to work. Uh, also involved is uh, Victor Von Doom, who apparently originated the project around the same time Reed was in like middle school, but hasn't been able to crack it. And he comes back to sort of uh, bring the project home once they have Reed's uh, know-how. Uh, they end up uh, building a portal into another dimension, and uh, that gives uh, our Fantastic Four powers as well as uh, sort of stranding, we think, Victor Von Doom in the other dimension. We, uh, we should just say, um, I, not very much happens in this movie, so I don't think we should have anything under a spoiler shroud. We are going, oh, okay. let's go full force spoiler talk in this review. So if you haven't seen Fantastic Four, we're get ready for to be spoiled. Got it. No so that was, about, that was about like an hour into the movie, and that's probably when the movie yeah. stops being good. <laughs> Uh well we'll get there I guess. Do you want to do you want to take okay. uh, the other half the latter half? Well let, I mean what else happens in this movie? Uh they 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 try and use their powers they figure out what to do with them and Reed Richards runs away because he is worried about government interference and they all get together and they have a big fight because Victor Von Doom is trapped in the alternate dimension. Who knows? I mean nothing really happens in the latter half of this movie. Nothing Doom really happens back. in this movie in general. Yeah, they have another, the government sends another team over, uh, they find Doom, they bring Doom back, Doom's like, no, the government, and uh, kills Explode everybody. some heads yeah. in a, in a really in grisly sequence. Well, yeah, that, which they put on YouTube, which was weird, but I mean, I guess they had to sell the villain of this movie more because the, the, the movie doesn't really do it. And then they all end up back in the uh, Planet Zero dimension uh, where there's a huge CGI fight where they beat uh, Doom. And, yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely two distinct parts of this movie. One that is very character focused, assembling this team. Uh, and then when they get the powers, you know, uh, the building of the machine, I mean, takes like 30 minutes. They're just standing around talking. We don't really know how it works, why they're really inventing it, why anyone is interested in this technology. Um, but maybe it can be used for the government and to make money and, and be a weapon. I, I think they talk about wanting resources to like save the world or something. Who cares? There's no explanation, but they still dedicate like 20 to 30 minutes to building this boring machine in a really boring underground layer. Um, and, and so that's supposed to be character stuff. Now, you sound like you kind of dug that. Uh, but we'll get I mean, there in a second. I, I, like, I, I like the fact that it's trying to do something and it's being this like small movie about four kids who are trying to build sure. the transport of the other dimension. It's definitely like, it's, trying something and I think it, it fails completely. I hated the beginning of this movie. Um, uh, I, I oh, man, really if it didn't am have not. have to be Fantastic Four, the beginning of this movie is the setup to a really nice small sci fi movie about like. I middle do schoolers. not agree. I think the real failure of this movie is that there are no characters. I mean, Reed Richards is nobody. He is a total dud, boring guy in Miles Teller's hands. He's neither funny nor heroic nor smart. He has no identity. He just is 
walking intelligence in order to thrust this plot forward with this teleporting technology. He's really – he doesn't serve any other purpose. And, you know, Michael B. Jordan gets one scene where he races a car and that's all he is. What is his life? I mean, who is this guy? And you have Michael B. Jordan in this role. Great actor. Uh, terrible, terrible in this movie. And I'm not the biggest Kamara fan, but – I mean, she really has nothing. Like you said, she is, I study patterns. I'm not sure how that's important to this project, but okay, just keep talking about patterns. It's a great metaphor for not nothing, really. Um, and she listens to music, which gives her one fancy scene of hacking later in the movie. She is a no, She's non-existent. She has no relationship with her brother. She has no relationship with her father, who's all over this movie. Um, and then you have Jamie Bell playing... Reed Richards' best friend for really no reason. I mean, the opening scene of this movie is kind of Amblin-esque. Two kids, um, you know, goonies their way into uh, teleportation science. Uh, and Jamie Bell is the yes. muscle. You I don't want to see that movie? I want to see that movie, but I get one scene of that, and there's no evidence that there would have been tons more of it. That, that's a totally different movie. There's Start the there and Bell, do a whole... Uh, the Jamie Bell drops Miles Teller off at the Baxter Institute scene that works well for both of them. That might be the Hated best, it. my favorite scene of like both of theirs. I uh, mean, Jamie Bell is another non-existent character. He has a little bit of, of a backstory. He's growing I mean, that's up true. in New York. Um, but where does that go? That goes nowhere. Actually, it's stuffed with a hideous reference to the comic books. Uh, his his older brother, I believe, is uh, played by Chet Hanks or Chet uh, Hayes, as he goes by in the hip hop world. Uh, <laughs> but he says uh, it's clobbering time when he's going to beat his brother up. And I'm just like, this is really already off to a horrible start uh, with these kind of references. And there's no sense of family life. They own this junkyard, uh, the scrapyard. And uh, what is it about? Like, how are these two possibly friends? You don't get a real moment. They just automatically are because Reed Richards invented teleportation, maybe. And they're both kids. How did they possibly stick together? And what is this whole life about? There's nothing to this character work. I really don't get positive reactions to the beginning of this movie. I mean, the only reason that I think I do have a positive reaction is a lot of it is very close to the ultimate Fantastic Four line and how those characters sort of came about. Uh, so much so that I think like the science fair scene is pretty much taken completely from that comic. So having already like experienced that story, I was ready for, you know, uh, ben Grimm and Reed Richards to sort of bond over their, you know, abusive uh, home lives because we get like a three seconds of Tim Heidecker it, being mad. Yeah, I wanted more Tim. He Tim Heidecker is in the right version of this movie for me. Like even I, I hope there are more seeds of him lying on the cutting room floor that I will one day see. But he gets he only goes. What, who's blowing Reed, my TV? God damn it, yeah, Reed. Yeah. But he is corny. It, that reminded that one scene reminded me of Raimi's Spider-Man movies that are kind of this elevated. It is comic booky. It's colorful. It's a little silly. Um, and this the rest of the movie has none of that. It's so drab and stiff. The, the uh, science fair scene that you describe is totally I mean, all the jokes in it are just falling flat and no one can smile. No one is having a good time. No one is reacting poorly to all the chaos that they've created. It's just, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. And it's not serious enough that by the time this movie shifts gears and becomes this kind of like body horror, it's at times it's as aggressive as like a Lars von Trier movie or something. It wants to be the Antichrist version of Fantastic Four. Um, and you know what? That's not that fun 
to me. Uh, when when Reed <laughs> when Reed finally gets powers and his arms are stretching and he looks like he's taking a severe shit. Like every time he uses power, he's like, "Oh my god, hey, it hurts!" You know, that's not fun. That's just painful. That's not in like utilizing. The comic book lore or the comic book powers, you know, the silliness, the inherent silliness of these ideas, you're not you're not spinning them into right. something fun well, and I you're mean, not going dark enough to make it a Von Trier movie. Uh, yes. I mean, the problem with this movie ultimately is that it sets up things and then pays off from a different setup uh, entirely, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and then, like, you could really tell, like, when Kate Mara is wearing a wig that they're doing some sort of, like, retconning. I think Doctor Doom was uh, entirely a hacker at some point in this movie. And I know for a fact that Tim Blake Nelson was supposed to, like, be hinted at turning into the Mole Man, not get his head exploded, and never get name-checked as the character that he actually was cast as. Um, so it's like, I, there, uh, if I... I can't praise the big first hour of this movie as like a full movie because it doesn't lead to any payoff, but I could see how it was going in the direction of this sci-fi movie that maybe wouldn't have been a great Fantastic Four movie, but would have been a passable like body horror teenager movie. Like I, I can imagine. Yeah, I can, I could take slivers of this movie and, and put them under a microscope and next to like Prometheus or something, and they might start looking identical. Um, you can see where those tones, you know, or go all the way back to Alien and see mm-hmm. how the team dynamic in a movie like Alien works and adapt it to lab work in Fantastic Four. There's no chemistry. There's just no chemistry. You can't invest so deeply into this team dynamic when your team sucks. I mean, it's they're just terrible. Uh, and I don't know if it's the acting choices or the acting direction. We'll, we'll never really know. But something is horribly miscast. I actually kind of like Toby Kebbell in this movie. But as you mentioned, and I don't know all the backstory of how the movie was made necessarily, but there is a lot of ADR in this movie, the blatant ADR, where even lines like, hey, don't call me German. I'm not German. Is total. It's dubbed for some reason. Like the whatever the original line was is not a, a joke about him being German. It's very strange. There's just like every piece seems chipped. Well, Toby Kebbell, Toby Kebbell shows up in one scene looking completely different, and then there's like an ADR line like "Get yourself cleaned up," and then he shows up as a completely different character, which ends up becoming the Doctor Doom at the end, right. uh, only because there is another weird ADR line like "What are you, Doctor Doom, over here?" Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> that made me groan. That really made me groan. But that's one. Of, that's the first uh, Kate Mara Telltale wig scene, which is also the scene where they're like, if you put too much energy in this thing, it causes a black hole, which means the entire climax of this movie is made up in reshoots. Which is just so disappointing. Uh, on Twitter today, uh, Matt Matt Singer pointed out to me that all the early uh, Fantastic Four posters have uh, asteroids falling onto New York, <laughs> and like that has nothing to do with the movie. That does not happen in, in this version of the movie. And so it's just so weird where it's like, also you have like interviews with everybody saying like the cut of the movie is going to end up being around like two hours long, and then you get like a ninety six minute movie. And then, like you, like as far back as March, they were like, "You're gonna see the blue suits. Don't worry. You're gonna see the classic fed that is not not in the movie." So many of the thought of like the money shots and the trailers are not in the movie. 
it's just a really weird oddity. I like I can't tell people to see it because it's not a good movie, but it's not a bad movie because it's not a movie. It's just this weird thing that sits there and it's like I don't even know I it's it's baffling to me that someone was so threatened by the not fantastic four movie they must have gotten that this was okay to like release. Yeah, but I mean when I guess when Marvel is making kind of high-flying entertainment for all ages and then you get something so dark and abysmal and, un- and unenjoyable. I mean, aggressively unenjoyable. That seems to be the choice here um, beyond anything kind of Christopher Nolan was doing in his Batman movies, which was kind of dark, gritty, and, and pragmatic, I suppose. But this is just, it's supposed to be oppressive and painful. Uh, you know, when they get their powers, you, you see Johnny Storm lying on a on a a laboratory bed screaming in agony that his body is on fire and he's withering and it's just horrifying. And then Kate Morrow with her invisible thing, it's just like, it's so morose. Um, and Jamie Bell, I mean, the, th- his, the, the scenes where the thing goes out and does these military missions, that's kind of the coolest part of the movie. And I'm like, oh, there's Josh Crank, Chronicle guy, doing kind of found footage military operations with the thing. This is the coolest part of the movie. That's like the only action yeah, and it's in like the movie. On the screen. Well, and then the other thing is like, I was talking to my friend who I saw with, he's like, did you notice the thing had 43 kills on that one mission? Like, why didn't we see any of that? Right. There's no like, scope. It's so odd. Like, even if it's, I mean, when the thing goes out and does these military missions, why are we not seeing it? Why are we watching it play kind of in a background on a monitor somewhere. We're trapped. We're trapped in this laboratory. The movie never leaves. And it's so funny that a movie like Ant-Man can can kind of uh, contend with its scope, its limited scope, and still have a lot of flavor and a lot of velocity. And this movie is trapped. It's, it's been imprisoned Well, see, in I wouldn't set. mind, I wouldn't mind, like, a trapped in the laboratory. Like, fantasy ending to this movie is more like Ex Machina than it is, like, this goddamn movie where, you know, Reed Richards doesn't run away for a year for no reason, uh, making it so that the Fantastic Four, like, is literally not on screen together in any real way until after the climax of the movie. Right. Like, even when they're in the other dimension... They're like in different shots and they're not working together really. And it's hard to tell like who was on screen, where like who was on set when and who was just, it's right. just, it's a mess. And there's like this, there is no Victor only doom line. I'm like, are you doing Ghostbusters on purpose? Because none of this is funny. It's just like, oh. And there's not even an explanation of that. Not that everything needs to be kind of uh, grounded in exposition, but there's there's no explanation for why this kind of sentient alternate universe seems to have ha- inhabited Dr. Doom and turned him into its, its proxy, its physical manifestation of itself. Uh, why? Why yeah. any of it? There's the, and, and, and that world that they go to, like that I guess is the moment where we're stepping out of this laboratory, the world's supposed to open up. It looks like they walked onto a screensaver. I mean, it has absolutely no depth to it or or it's not alive at all. They can keep telling me that there's green energy that's thinking for itself. But no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, they just have that cool scene where their feet are sinking into it and you kind of get an idea of the forest nature of this energy planet. But that's about it. And then it's all red in the trailers and all green in the movie, which just threw me off again. Because, like, why are you hiding that? I've got so many questions about what this movie should have been, but that doesn't save it from not being a good movie. Also, does any of the action 
work for you? I mean, I guess what you want out of a Fantastic Four movie or the promises that it seems to make is that these people are going to get powers and they're going to crack them and they're going to work as a team, right? The dad actually says, you know, take care of each other when he dies. Uh, his one wish is for these guys to continue protecting each other and working as a team. And that's how they're going to build the machine, work as a team. Uh, there's no teamwork. There's no there's no action. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it, it puzzled me when we were leading up to this movie why we weren't seeing uh, like money shots of especially of Mister Fantastic, and now I realize it's because there isn't really. There's like one scene where he's attempting not to be caught in a like I don't know Latin America. I kind of like that scene, the the choreography of Reed Richards stretching and the Black Ops soldiers, you know, trying to trying to capture him. That's yeah, kind of cool I, for one minute, maybe. Well, it's the only thing that feels like there were people at some point thinking about it as a, like a fight scene. Like the whole whatever's happening in Planet Zero, it's just it feels so disconnected from each other. And then like the line they all have to unite around is like, he's stronger than any one of us, but he's not stronger than all of us. It's like, boo, movie, boo. <laughs> And, jo- and Johnny Storm is supposed to have gone on several missions in this movie. You don't see any of them. You see him l- arriving back to the laboratory and landing or taking oh, off. Oh, he gets to blow up one drone. When does he? Oh, from in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, in a very like, like, that's... Iron Man moment. But yeah, otherwise, he mostly is sidelined for most of the final battle uh, with Doom's one power, which is getting rocks to move somewhere, which is like, oh, God. Like, there's so many other... Anyway, I'm not going to harp on that anymore. But, uh, and then, yeah, he's just becomes this flying orange dot, completely wasting Michael B. Jordan as, like, an action presence. Uh, Who seems like he has the ability to do that. I mean, he's a very physical actor. Yeah, and I mean, the stuff where he's being cocky and just walking around on fire seems to work fine. There's, like, 42 seconds of it, but, you know, all of those 42 seconds are worthwhile. (laughs) I kind of like his drag racing scene, maybe. Yeah, if I have fine. to make a ranked list of things I liked. Well, in terms of the uh, scale of how well or poorly you could execute a, it's my life, Dad, not yours. Like Michael B. Jordan is better than your, you know. It all just other it feels actors. so playbook, right? I mean, when he says that, and his he's having a heart to heart with his dad. It's like, who are you, and where? How did you get here? Um, and and what annoys me so much is. Yeah, there is a lot of setup here that maybe could have been paid off in a version that stuck to this, that somehow uh, built action into its characters' problems. But I don't see evidence of that in the beginning of this film either. I don't know what these characters have to overcome to be better people or to be more understanding people. Like, what is Reed Richards' problem in this movie? Well, I mean, this movie, this movie got rewritten to be basically everything uh, Dr. Franklin Storm monologues about. Just like, my generation ruined the Earth and your generation has to put it back together because you guys could make family out of nothing. That's like, oh, God. Like, every time he says one of those things, it's in a scene that, like, I'm convinced was not part of the movie. So because I don't know what, like, it ultimately was, it's the, like, if you look back at early teasers... Uh, there's lots of talks about uh, how Doom has answers for Reed and Reed and Doom get to talk to each other in the lab. And there's entirely different monologues from Dr. Franklin Storm about what they're supposed to find in this other place. And they don't reference it as Planet Zero or anything. 
I'm just like, I, it's it's so not a movie that it's so hard to tell what's good and what's bad. All I know is that I didn't start minding it. It's like, I tell you the scene. So they come back for the first time. Everybody got their powers for the first time. And Miles Teller wakes up and he sees what he thinks is uh, Michael B. Jordan's corpse on fire. And he hears Jamie Bell yelling from what he thinks is like a pile of rocks. And he tries to get there to help him. And he turns around and realizes he's been stretching his feet, which have been stuck under debris. And then he passes out. And then the movie stops, like, even aspiring to be anything. And but even horrible. that scene, it's just so horrific. This choice is is problematic for me, personally. This is, I, this right. is why no matter what movie we got, I'm not going to like it, I don't think. yeah, Because that that's just not fun for you? Yeah, and it's not like I need every movie to be fun. Uh, I'm a huge Vod Troopers, and uh, uh, you know, I I love the pain of cinema. I love, you know, we were talking about Amore the other day. I could watch that movie over and over and over again about old people dying. Oh, it's so lovely, you know. I could watch anything, but I I really took no enjoyment because there was no insight. Like these powers are not connected to these people at all. They don't seem reflective of them. And maybe if that was the choice, then it would be more interesting. And But instead, it just goes full force to being unenjoyable and, and, and pained. And I think that's real evidence when Toby Kebbell comes back as Dr. Doom, who is just a walking piece of metal or something. It conveniently doesn't have any lips that they have to yes, change the when perfect, they change his lines. <laughs> the perfect dub character. Anything goes. Uh, and then he just starts blowing people's heads up. Which is ironically fun, the most fun the movie ever is, is the one scene where he's just walking through blowing people's oh, heads up. I, I mean, I did not enjoy it too much because it was just so bloody and out of place. Like, it just wasn't this movie. Even this, even though the movie had no identity, this still felt like a misstep. Um, it was very, very odd. I mean, the, ultimately what you want from this movie, if it's going to be this movie, is like a Cronenberg Powers movie where Jamie Bell is tough on the outside and soft on the inside, so he gets to be a rock. Kate Mara is smart, but doesn't get any credit, so she gets to be invisible. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's, a, you know, a hothead, so he gets to lit on fire, and Miles Teller, you know, bends too much, and that's ultimately what gets him in trouble, and he's racked by guilt, and he's stretchy. And it looks like those pieces were put into motion for, like, ten minutes, and then the movie can't sustain it past that. Well, I can't give it any credit then, because this is the movie we got, and this movie is really... Not not I'm, good. Really bad. I mean I'm I'm with you on there, but as a curiosity, I don't wanna like stamp it with like a, I, there's this movie and then there's like Blade Trinity. Like I've sat through worse uh, Marvel based property movies. I don't know if I have. I really you know, I saw people kind of taking to Twitter and being like, Wow, worse than Electra. It's it's amazing. Or worse mm. than Blade Trinity, or worse worse than the you know, Iron Man two. Um it is worse than those. I mean, it's just not, it's not even trying to go, it's not trying to tap the iconography in a new and cinematic way. It just, yeah, I think the problem is being cinematic and for whatever reason, it got mucked up and there's just no arc. There's nothing I can cling to in this movie, be it just pure popcorn cinema or interesting performances, funny performances, characters, you know, at the end of this movie, they walk into a new laboratory and they're like, we're, they're hugging. They're all so happy. They're the Fantastic Four. Hey, I kind of like that name. They're best buds. I No, they're not. <laughs> At no <laughs> point do they earn being friends. It's actually so weird to see Reed Richards come back from, 
you know, he ditches them and he goes away for a year. Although the ages and timeline in this movie are so disjointed, it's it's a little baffling. Who knows what you know how much time is passing? But um, he comes back and Johnny Storm's like, "Hey, good to see you, man. It's been a while, dude. Yeah. You knew him for like three days while you were building a transporting device. You're not good friends. It's so odd. And they it got just drunk tells together you that you have one to time. Like it. What? They got drunk together that one time, and you know, went to they were the first people in the other dimension. Oh yeah, and watched Victor Von Doom die. That's great. Yeah, what a great time. That really a bonding moment. Beers and death. Nothing like it. Uh, well, maybe we should wrap up here. Fantastic Four. You kind, you're, you're like, you're a little thumbs up on this. You're kind of positive. I think as a oddity of uh, like X Men Origins Wolverine before it, as an oddity of what Fox thinks a good superhero movie is or good enough superhero movie is, Fantastic Four will, you know, not be forgotten. But that doesn't mean you should ever spend any money to see it. Unfortunately. I think about we got a Facebook message last week that was just ripping us to shreds for being cynics and for being snobs and telling us, you know, that maybe we shouldn't even bother uh, reviewing or talking about this movie if I if I didn't like it um, as if I wasn't I had no possibility of liking a Fantastic Four movie. Um, I just think that's so wrong because I had a lot of hope. I mean, Josh Trank seems like a capable Filmmaker, who knows? Um, maybe you know. Chronicle was a was a, a good start. I, I didn't love it, but I was I was I think he had a lot of promise, and I was looking forward to this movie. And it's a total disaster, and to the point where, you know, sometimes you see bad movies, franchise kickoffs, and you're like, well, that was not very good. But these actors playing these parts are pretty well cast. I'm looking forward to the sequel, the kind of the redo, and see if they can get it right with these people again. I do not look forward to Fantastic Four 2. I think everyone's wildly miscast and misused, and it's a real bummer because I don't yep. want to see them in this movie ever again. Well, unfortunately, the best Fantastic Four movie remains The Incredibles, and we'll get a secret to that, a sequel to that. I do think, I, you know, that's what I took to Twitter to say after I saw this movie, that I dream of animators taking on some of these comic book movies and really having a lot of imagination and see how fun and story can truly be intertwined. Um, and, and yeah, Incredibles is a great example of that. But now I really need to go back and watch Tim Story's Fantastic Four because maybe it wasn't so bad after all. It's very silly, but uh, I don't know. Pra- just practical has, thing. I kind of dug it. It has, it, has, it has scenes that are the recognizable group. But it also has a ton of its problems and advertises at you way too much. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Boar. Oh, wait. You said you were going to do Oh, I failed. Benjamin Graham. Six foot, 500 pounds. Covered in orange, flexible rock. Shaking the ground. Four fingers and toes with brute strength. And he was born on the streets of New York. From the Fantastic Four. A superhuman team with a theme. I'm saving these human beings, it seems like you was out of your mind. It's not a dream, it's power to the extreme. It's the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. It's covering time. From criminal crimes, black crimes, and the fool's the only hope you can find. It's covering time. Rock solid from his head to his toes. Never been another one of his kind. All right, that about wraps things up on this episode. I'm going to mention one other film that came out this week. Um, you know what, Patches? We're pretty, we're pretty fantastic. We, we are fantastic, too, here talking about one more movie that you are excited to see, I believe. Cop Car. Yes. What, have you, all, what have you heard Kevin about Bacon. Cop Car? Yeah, Kevin Second Bacon is in it, but not actually that much. Not as much as you think. 
Well, see, here's the thing is I have been kind of avoiding it once I uh, I read one quote from the director that said this movie was inspired by um, he had a dream that he and his friends were kids and stole a cop car and how in this dream he was terrified. And the weirdest thing is I've had that dream. We're just Weird. like, I, I'm like, my friend and I are stealing a car and we're like, you know, 12 or 11 and just like, I am full of anxiety. So I stopped reading plot descriptions just knowing I was going to see Cop Car. Wow. And the director's doing Spider-Man. Um, well, I, I have to highly recommend it. You know, Dave or David is not here to go against me and butt heads over this one because he, I don't think he liked it too much. I don't want to speak uh, too much for him, but he, he didn't care for, he found, found it very slight based on hmm. some of his tweets. I, I really enjoy this. I, I might agree a little bit on it because it kind of runs out of gas. Whoa, cop car. Oh, hey. Um, but the yeah, idea... Stop doing this. Stop <laughs> backloading all these puns. Yeah, people didn't make it this far, so I can make all yeah. the puns I want. Um, cop car just kicks off with such a bang. Exactly what you're kind of describing, right? It feels like a dream. It's a dream come true for like being two kids on the lamb, you know, they're kind of running away in the beginning of this movie just because they're jerks and they want to have fun. Um, it reminds me of that episode of Simpsons where Bart and Milhouse are just skipping school and they're going to have adventures and they're going to drink uh, squishy and just mm-hmm. go crazy. Um, and they find a cop car. And that's really it. They start driving in a cop car. And there's this whole mystery that's kind of unraveled. And it has such a weird, demented ending. Definitely not going to spoil it. It's It really crescendos in some craziness um, and maybe doesn't go all the way or it doesn't feel as fulfilling as it could in for these two boys and their arcs. But I mean, Kevin Bacon's having a lot of fun playing kind of an evil cop and these two kids are just wild and hilarious. And this is a huge movie for John Watts, who's going to go on. And here's why it's especially relevant to you. Direct uh, Dave direct uh, the next Spider-Man movie. So you should be excited. This is a good sign. This is a good a good indie pickup as opposed to maybe the Mark Webbs of the world who weren't ready or or didn't have the scope or were kind of thrown into a huge machine. I mean, John Watts might suffer the same thing. But well, I mean, on the side of yeah. on, on the side of direct indie directors stepping up, I recently rewatched Sinister in uh because Sinister Two's coming up and I'm like, you know what? If Scott Derrickson can do a movie where it's basically about Ethan Hawke watching other movies and make it, you know, have some suspense, then maybe, yeah. you know, the superhero <laughs> action thing is gonna take this huge turn into what we've always wanted it to be, which is not generic. I, I we we have very different opinions about Sinister, I think. Oh, and and good. the Scott well, Derrickson that was for, uh, films. But that I was for a, a podcast of your. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we can be excited about John Watts. I mean, yes, he's another probably boring white guy who's getting handed a huge franchise. I've seen that complaint, and I understand that complaint, and it's totally valid. But, man, he has an eye and can do a lot with a little, and the, the action, the car driving stuff in this movie is just really, really wild and fun. And and it's it puts you in that seat with two kids, you know, two ten year olds, and I think that's what you want out of Spider Man too. You want it to be, you want it to take you back a little, not in a nostalgic way, but just like the innocence and freedom of being young and empowered. That's crazy. It's a it's a real thrill, and yeah, Cop Car gets it. Nice uh, and connects so many people for degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> that is true. Uh, who who is now on on that list? One degree away, Shea Wing uh, Shea Wingham. I think that's how you say his name. Who's on Agent Carter and was in? Uh, oh God, now I'm totally forgetting. Football movie. Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper. 
That movie. Uh, that, that's Silver it. Linings Playbook? Yes. That that's movie. not a football movie. Is it not? <laughs> the, <laughs> no, it is about dancing and depression. Fair. I don't have... It's late. I just got back from a really severe I was, uh, uh, bachelor party weekend. Oh, nice. So, I was excited that we were going to start talking about Varsity Blues, but, no. you know, I'll, I'll settle down. Anyway, I, we've rambled long enough. Let's wrap up this podcast. Tell them where you're from or something. I, like I am where from... Where are you from? I was actually born in Van Nuys, California. Were you really? And then I moved, yeah, I moved to Louisville, Colorado, and then I moved to New York, and then I couldn't go any further east without going to Maine. Fuck that. So now I'm back in Denver. My name's Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA70. You can find my podcast at fightinginthewarroom.com, where you probably found this one. And you can find my writing at geek.com, latino-review.com, and forbes.com. I was born in Pennsylvania, but not Philadelphia, oh. where I'm kind of from. Different. Different city, Abington, PA. Anyone else? Oh, hey. Hospital, Abington Hospital. Anyone out there? All right, just checking. I'm Matt Patches, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, and I'm the senior writer at Esquire.com, where you can read all my stuff. And we'll be back tomorrow, I think, uh, with yeah. a new episode, a full episode with the whole Fantastic Four uh, of Fighting in the War Room. So until then, bye. I hope I, I'm, I'm sure Maine is fine. Continue.